first let me introduce um, our outdoor sculpture interns who, uh, conservation interns who are with us um, for the past 12 weeks. Um, this is Megan Gerard, who is, um, is here um, just about to head off to another internship working again on um, outdoor artwork, public artwork um, in Miami. And then we'll be heading to the Naval Yard for another internship. You'll, there's sort of a trend of internships you'll be hearing. And then um, Megan Perry, who is has just been accepted to a graduate program in conservation, and will be heading off to the um, Buffalo program in Buffalo, New York. So we'll say congratulations to her. But uh, that's my introduction. So take it away. Thank you. Thanks, Gwen. And thank you guys for coming to join us today. Um, as Gwen said, we're part of the Outdoor Sculpture Maintenance Program, which is for us a 12-week program that happens every summer. Um, we're responsible for the care and maintenance of all of the pieces here in this garden, um, as well as on the plaza, and some of the pieces that are off-site at um, MSC. Um, it's a also a really exciting opportunity because we get to interact frequently with the public and I think that a lot of times conservation is very much a behind the scenes kind of profession and a lot of people are not aware that it even exists so it's a wonderful opportunity for us to uh, participate in public outreach in addition to the, uh, the care of the pieces in the collection. Um. Okay, so we'll tell you um, a little bit about our process um, of conserving each outdoor sculpture piece. Um, we start out by washing the surface, um, rinsing them first to get any abrasive particulates off the surface um, because we use scrub brushes with a mild detergent following the rinsing and with such brushes we really don't want anything that we can't see with our eyes to scratch the surface or cause any damage to the piece. Um, so we rinse each piece off, as Megan was saying, and try to remove all of the individual, like, as you can see, we've got bird poop, we've got um, dirt from the mall sort of like flying onto the surface and collecting in areas. There's also an issue that you can see here, um, and this piece has been treated, where the um, the water from the sprinkler system pools on the surface and sort of stays there. And so there's an issue where um, whatever's in the water will sort of stay on the surface as the water evaporates. Um, so we try to keep everything clean and we wash the pieces periodically throughout the summer. So it's not just a one-time thing. Um, after we wash them and ensure that the pieces are completely dry, um, we want to make sure that there's no remaining water left in the kind of porous metal. Um, we apply a wax coating to protect them from the environment as well as from just general interaction with the setting. Um, because they're outdoor sculpture pieces, there's sort of an understanding that they will have certain amounts of damage happen to them just from being outside, from having human interaction, from um, water, from bird poop, which is kind of acidic and can create spots on the surface. Um, so the application of wax is a really wonderful defense um, against any of these interactions. Um, unfortunately, it's not a permanent solution and it degrades over time, so it needs to be reapplied every year. So we're here at uh, Giacomo Manzu's uh, Young Girl on a Chair, and this has become a you know staple this summer for us in our learning experience. There's been a lot of exciting challenges that we've been faced with, um, and great opportunity for us to, you know, 
practice some of the things that we may not get to in um, other internships, other environments. Um, so the first problem issue that we had with the sculpture was there was a wasp nest in her, um, in her ponytail. And that was the first of about five or six wasp nests that we dealt with this summer. And <laughs> I will tell you, it was quite a scene <laughs> when we're rinsing out her ponytail and there's bugs flying at us and trying to, you know, make us get out of their home. Um, so we sprayed it with a generic raid um, wasp solution or wasp spray and um, with a wasp spray of that nature you're going to want to of course kill the bugs and ensure that they're no longer there just for our safety and for the safety of the public um, but you're going to want to rinse it off as soon as as soon as possible so that it doesn't cause blanching of the wax which um, had already been present on the surface um, but as you see in the picture that's circulating currently it was um, enhanced a bit. Um, so blanching is when the wax sort of pulls away from the metal surface and it creates this sort of opaque white appearance um, on the surface itself because you're not actually getting um, to see the metal through the wax anymore. Um, one of the wonderful benefits of the wax coating is that it sort of makes the metal look more like it did originally. I think a lot of times you'll see a bit of corrosion and degradation where the metal appears sort of like a pale color, um, sometimes kind of greenish, and the blanching kind of mimics that as well. Um, so after we applied the um, wasp spray to the piece, the blanching was really, really apparent and, and striking, and we proceeded forward as we would with any other piece to try to get the wax to um, reattach to the surface. And when you're waxing metal, what you want is a really, really uniform surface um, with no like holes where water can get in and make contact with the metal. So we were using heat to drive the wax back into the pores of the metal surface. Um, and it was doing so really nicely, but we started to notice that there were some letters appearing on the, on the back. Um, and as we continued, I'm gonna pass this one around as well. Um, as we continued using um, heat on the surface, the letters started to peel back and we were seeing this sort of like plasticky paint application that was shrinking and falling off. Um, and so we did a little bit of research in the um, conservation lab and just looked at old treatment reports and discovered that um, in the past, I think it was like 1994, um, this piece had been vandalized. Um, someone probably used a key or a pocket knife and gouged into the back of the piece. Um, and it had been in-painted and, um, and was not noticeable until we removed the in-painting accidentally. Um, so we knew that we were going to have to uh, perform this treatment again um, in order to keep this, um, keep this piece looking like it should. And the photo that's currently going around one side is um, a during treatment photo of the end painting kind of pulling off the surface and shrinking as Megan was describing. And the reverse side is after we had removed it completely and there's a really striking contrast between the um, raw metal surface that's that kind of gold color, the bronze color, um, and the patinated surface. Um, and that'll give you an idea of, you know, the beauty of patination. Um, and so, of course, there's 
raw metal being exposed, so we want to, you know, minimize the length of time that it's exposed to the elements and, and viewer interaction. So um, we, you know, quickly applied a wax coating to the surface just until we could figure out, you know, the best course of action. And um, as Megan was saying, we did research into the past files and determined the method of treatment that was used um, in 1994. And um, we did our own tests on little bronze coupons um, using the same method that they had used, but also a few other methods. And we determined that um, in painting it again with um, acrylic paint was going to be the best approach for us um, while we were here. And so you guys feel free to come up and check out the, <laughs> um, the in painting that was completed a few days ago, actually. So, Question. sure. First you said you, you, you wash and rinse. With what material? So we just rinse it with water. Water, no soap? No, we'll, we'll rinse it first. We'll rinse it first and then um, we'll go in with a really dilute solution of a mild detergent. Okay, like what? It's called Orvis. Okay, and what's the wax that you use? We use a first coat of microcrystalline wax. Well, microcrystalline. And sometimes that will just be um, clear. Sometimes it'll be toned with pigments to kind of mimic areas of the patina that have been worn down um, just to get the surface back to a uniform um, coloration. Do you use brushes? Yes, we do. And rinsing and cleaning first? Yes. Very soft brushes, mm -hmm. right? Yes, very non-abrasive. How, 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 um, how do you put the wax on? With also with brushes, different type of brushes, yes. Um, we use a wax that has um, a solvent in it that keeps it sort of softer. Um, yes, and we um, actually use propane torches to heat up the surface before we apply the wax to it. Um, on the sculpture? Mm -hmm. On the sculpture, yes. So we use a propane torch, which um, it burns at a much lower temperature than the metal's melting point. Um, you could use a hair dryer, I think, um, but you'd have to have an electrical outlet, which we don't. But or it's not as effective, I would say. You yeah. Heat the temperature just to really open the pores, because the point, sorry, the point of the of heating the surface is, you know, when you have a cast bronze piece, there's a lot of pores in the metal just from the casting process. If you think about when something solidifies and there's still gas coming out. So metal, the bronze sculpture is actually extremely porous, and that helps us in terms of those are the spots where the wax is going to kind of be driven in. The heat allows those pores to expand a little bit, and it really drives the wax in. So if you, if you just have a warm, sunny day, we, we could apply wax right now, and it would do a good job, but really to have something really penetrate in, the, the torch helps out. Yes. And then do you wipe the wax off? Do you buff the wax? Yes. Buff it, yeah. We do buff it. Um, just to add on to Gwen's discussion of the propane torch, it also will drive a lot of the water that has accumulated within the pores of the metal so that we really make sure that surface is free of water that would, you know, create a, you know, a little microclimate once the wax is applied and cause, you know, corrosion and other harmful damage to happen 
once the sealant is applied. Um, so after a microcrystalline layer, uh, many times we're able to just um, move around the exist existing wax that's on the surface and reconstitute it and even it out. Um, and then we usually follow up with the final layer of um, a wax called tree wax, which is just a paste wax. And we do buff it um, after that um, layer has, um, the solvent has evaporated from that layer um, to get it um, evened out um, so that there's no selective corrosion that will occur. If there's an area where there's not as much wax, that wax will degrade more quickly and the metal will be exposed next to a surface that may have a more heavy layer of wax. And so the, the, that layer will start corroding selectively next to the other. Um, does anyone have any questions? Be happy to answer them. I was just going to ask if, like, somebody comes through regularly, not just, maybe not for cleaning, but to, like, brush off, like, spider webs, because I've noticed a couple, like, so is there somebody just on a regular basis who goes around and sort of checks up? Um, as long as we're here during the summer, we do that um, pretty frequently. Um, we also, uh, you can see that water accumulates on the base here as well. So um, probably about like once a week, we wipe everything off and try to get all of the particulates and things off of the base and to also just sort of minimize the distracting nature of that. And we also rinse off the uh, bird poops and um, they're incredibly acidic and, and more um, detrimental than you might think. Uh, but it's also just the, the job of the conservation staff over the, the course of the year to just make sure that everything is looking okay and to just sort of ensure that nothing is going to fall apart or that no one is touching the sculptures. <laughs> um, questions? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, um, Sorry. Uh, one of the things that we really appreciate about having the outdoor sculpture interns is the fact that they do act as um, uh, the link between the public and the sculpture and also sort of being able to educate. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I became a conservator that I was aware of the dangers of uh, what the vulnerabilities are for outdoor sculpture. And people look and they're like, oh, well, it's outside. It must be really durable. The things that this is not durable against is moisture and human fingers. Those are the two main issues that, that um, cause degradation to the surface. The structure is very solid and it's not going to get dented or broken easily. But if you think about what we appreciate about the metal is that surface and the patina and the, that surface appearance um, is extremely vulnerable to those two elements. Um, if there's the presence of water, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of potential for damage. So the wax helps against that and it also helps against uh, human handling. So having the, the interns out in the garden, being able to let people know you know, this is what we're doing and why it's actually extremely helpful um, in just um, educating the public and helping them enjoy the experience a little bit more, I think. Um, so thank you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, I think, um, to sort of piggyback on Gwen. Um, you can really see before any of the sculptures are waxed because it's done annually, but over that year in between the waxing, um, you can actually see 
where they're touched the most because that's where the wax layer degrades the most quickly. And some of the pieces um, that do experience a lot of human interaction have specific areas that they get touched over and over with time. And those are the areas where the patina really breaks down so you can actually really, really see um, what happens. And it's really interesting to, to note that we're not just crazy conservators that are like, no, don't touch that. It's, it, it's actually something that you can really, really see and it's quite striking. So it's interesting to be a part of this and to see how we're able to diminish the appearance of handling um, with proper care and maintenance. Yes, the, the simulation of the seat, like resembling um, a wicker as opposed to the smoothness of the human figure, is there more of a challenge in maintain maintenance? In a surface like this, I think this is actually quite a uniform surface. If you get up closely, there are a lot of what you know, somebody like Henry Moore down there with his completely pristine surface might call flaws in the casting. Uh, Manzu really liked to retain some of these flaws that would normally get chased after the, with tools to smooth them out after the casting process. And, you know, as when we're treating these objects, we really need to understand what the intention of the artist was. Um, compared to this very shiny surface, two sculptures down, this was a lot easier to buff. The wax was able to go um, more easily into the pores of the metal with the propane torches. Um, that sculpture down the way took us, you know, several days to just buff at the end to get it to that beautiful, you know, uniform, shiny surface. <laughs> um, is there any other pieces that you have been curious as you've spent time at the Hirshhorn in the garden that you would like us to talk about? I'm always intrigued by the burgers of Calais. It must demand as much attention from you. Um. Uh, the Burgers of Calais um, is the sculpture over here, the the group, um, and you can see from here that it's uh, quite green in color. Um, that sculpture has in the past had uh, numerous layers of wax applied to it, and when the wax starts to degrade, it sort of develops, um, it almost looks like cracked glass, and you can kind of like just pick it off with your fingernail, um, and it when you heat it, it doesn't really fully reconstitute. It just sort of becomes goopy and, and drips down. And so for the past few summers, they've actually been removing these layers of wax using um, a lot of different methods. I think the most recent one was a roofer's torch, which was just sort of to, to heat it off as much as possible and to just get as much of that off to get back to the original metal surface so that we can apply a coating over the entirety that's more uniform and less likely to degrade. Um, one of the challenges that we had in the garden is that sometimes these wax layers will degrade um, in, a, in a manner that's not uniform and so some areas are really, really easy to reapply or to reconstitute where other layers the wax just becomes this sort of gross, like, clop, glumpy, I don't know. There's not an English word to describe it. It's, it's icky. Um, and um, 
Yeah, glumpy. Um, so right now um, it's somewhat unprotected and there is going to be a workshop in the fall using uh, CO2 snow, which is like dry ice. And it's apparently an incredibly effective way to get the wax to just sort of come off completely so that they can apply a new nice uniform layer and, um, and protect it again. But yeah, the burgers are beautiful and um, quite complicated just to clean because of all of those nooks and crannies and um, so we've I think washed it several times and always end up with all of this dirt everywhere because I think it's a it's a popular piece that people like to go right up to. <laughs> I don't know if this is for you guys or Gwen but since the question was asked maybe someone wants to talk about the corrosion products and how the surface of that object looks very different than the other sculptures that have been maintained and the decision making around that. Um, I don't know how much time we have left, but I'll, I'll uh, just go briefly. So what is an interesting uh, uh, factoid is that the surface that the coloration that you see on any bronze sculpture is actually a form of corrosion. So we call it patina when we like how it looks. We call it corrosion when we don't like how it looks. But they're both forms of oxidation. One is controlled and usually selected by the artist or the foundry. The other is uncontrolled and is caused by the environment. But they are the same types of oxidation products. You just achieve them through different methods, through different, whether it's pollution or, or an applied sulfate or sulfide versus just the sulfuric acid that comes from the from uh, the air, the, the pollution. So when we see, you know, this green happening over here, you can actually have a intentionally colored green patina, usually much thinner and it wears off much more easily because it was sort of a, a created look. When it's undesirable and is forming in ways that we don't like, that's the corrosion. And what we can do is alter this, well, I'm, I'm probably going off of your question, but what started to happen in this garden in particular that was very interesting was the approach towards all the surfaces became really uniform. And the goal was then to have these all have a similar color. And about two decades ago, um, there was a, a push to try and bring all of the different sculptures as closely back to their original patina color as possible. The way to do that is you can either use toned waxes, which uh, Megan was describing, or you can remove the surface patina and start over. And that requires definitely consulting with the artist. So many of the Henry Moores, he was very involved with selecting the oxidation that would be placed intentionally by the foundry on the surface. So this has sort of like a, the one on the end here, the very smooth piece, the vertebrae, is, uh, has more of like a gold brown. You can achieve these more green browns over here, like the Rodin piece. Um, if you go down into the lower section of the garden, there are a few Henry Moore pieces where you will see there's sort of blues and greens incorporated. So again, these are just the chemicals that are chosen to achieve those oxidation products. You can get them naturally if you're in the right environment, but the artist obviously wants to sort of control how they, how they are over the metal. So I don't know if I answered sort of what you were... What you were 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so, and so the green that we're seeing there is not desirable. That's not really what, unfortunately, what was applied over it, the old wax that Megan is, is describing was um, sort of almost too uniform and too opaque black. And so what we've been trying to do for the past three summers is remove as much of that black, opaque, flat look to it. And, and now we want to replenish it with something that's a little bit more appropriate and fresh and, and not degraded. Yeah, you know, that, that sh sharp green, that's really the raw exposed metal right now that's just reacting to the environment at this stage. Um, do any of the sculptures need to be taken in during the winter or does winter not really have any more or less of effect than other seasons? It's a really, really good point. We unfortunately do not have the ability to, we wouldn't have the place to put everything, right? Um, I think, again, our defense is being able to create a surface that will help protect them during the winter and that really is why we ideally we, we would we would probably be able to apply you know wax twice a year and really once a year is what we can do um, there are some museums that maybe have one or two pieces outside where they are able to bring them in or create shelters for them that can our garden is enjoyed year-round and we uh, position it that way that it's it's not something that's closed down during the winter so we really try and maintain that which is again one of the reasons why it's very important to have this program in place. I'm curious about the larger sculptural works that clearly are far too large for someone who's a normal sized person to actually reach the top or to uh, to reach all of the surfaces. How do you manage to clean those or keep them safe and There's a very large ladder <laughs> located in a secret storage compartment in the garden um, that we were able to carry around with two people. Um, luckily for us, some of the painted sculptures that are larger, such as the Liechtenstein and the Marc de Suvero over here, um, are in excellent shape and didn't require us to have to get super close. A painted surface is a little bit different to deal with as well. Um, we're much more gentle, um, or at least less abrasive, I guess, than we are with the bronzes, um, because we're really, really trying to uh, make sure that the paint layer is safe. And luckily, those two pieces in particular are in fantastic shape. So we were able to wash them with the letter and big hose and lots and lots of rags. And actually, they, the DeSouvero was washed last summer. Um, we did, we were able to, it was, mainly because we took advantage of the fact that it had been deassembled, shipped to San Francisco on loan, and then brought back last year. And while it was deassembled, we were able to wash and actually address some areas that needed to have paint reapplied. And um, so we try and take advantage of that. Um, but every once in a while we do arrange for a lift to just, the painted surface, the paint acts as the protection in that and since paint is much more durable than wax um, and can last up to about 15 years or so before it starts having um, areas where it's failing and that once it starts to fail then there are big significant issues that can happen very quickly but paint is what protects those surfaces and so we want to make sure that we're not abrading the paint or doing anything that can cause that to, to wear away too soon. And 
of course, these sculptures, if I'm not wrong, have been also exposed outside. It's in Mr. Hirschhorn's uh, collection. So all of them, or at least majority of them, have been outside for the past 40 or so years. It gives a lot of credit to our predecessors who were caring for them, definitely. Because you, you do see, in fact, just around the mall, um, I think they're doing a large restoration project on the sculptures out in front of the Capitol right now, which had gone unprotected for years. And I don't know if how close you can get to them now. I haven't walked up there recently, but um, it was a, it was actually a good advertising for us to show how well we cared for our sculpture because it just takes a few years of being unprotected, and it, the the um, the results are quite astonishing just in in just a few seasons. So I have one more question, but maybe it's very obvious: is that do you care for these kind of works when they are inside? in a very different way from when they are outside, apart from the frequency of treatment? Yeah, so the needs are different, obviously. Um, again, humidity, moisture is one of the biggest issues for, for metal. We do, um, for some indoor works, like if these were indoors, we would still want to make sure there were a wax layer. It would not necessarily need to be the same type of wax. The properties of the wax outside obviously have to, you think about how hot a copper-based material gets um, in the sun. It becomes almost too hot to touch sometimes. So the wax needs to be able to stay a rigid film still underneath that type of temperature. Indoors, we don't have that degree of, of uh, heat and environment, mental issues. So there's a, there are waxes that we use more for indoor application that are much less durable for this type of thing. But again, you need to reapply them occasionally. So we, we still, still is necessary. 